Hey, Film Files, it's just me and you today, because I'm alone and by myself. We're going to do kind of a non-traditional mini-episode today for a couple reasons. Um, the biggest one being Star Wars, and the second biggest one being that I'm moving to Chicago. So with this new Star Wars movie that's opened up, uh, there everybody has an opinion, and everybody is a film scholar. And for the next uh, 15 minutes or so, I am going to be as well. So, stay with me. Also, I watched the Jungle Book remake. This is Movie Show Theater. Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the five bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around and pull it down. What's your favorite scary movie? You ever seen a grown man naked? Okay. Now, globby, bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil! You warthog-faced. Half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! This is theater so as i'm recording this today um i have about a week left before me and my fiance move to the chicagoland area where i will be um starting a new life in a strange land and i'm going to be recruiting a new uh well crew of movie nerds to talk about movies with so that'll be fun but i think that it'll be a little bit of a break before we get it back up so there's a get it back up so there's a couple more episodes I got planned. I don't know if I'll be able to uh, execute those before I move. But I did want to talk about Star Wars just for a little bit because it's an important part of my life. And it's kind of going to, I'm sure, take over BuzzFeed and Reddit for the next couple months. So I'll talk about The Jungle Book first. I don't have too much to say about this except I really enjoyed this reboot that nobody asked for. It was directed by John Favreau, who I've loved since uh the swingers days if anybody's never seen swingers it's uh the creepy vince vaughn one of his first movies one of his, i think probably his best performance anyway J- john favreau he's kind of the uh rooted in down-to-earth salt-of-the-earth sort of personality and he seems like he'd be a nice guy so he directed this movie that is probably Peta's. Favorite movie of all time, because no animals were injured during the making of this movie. Because no animals were used in the making of this movie. Every, every animal was CGI, uh, and there, there weren't really any uh, filming locations to speak of. It was all CG. And they did great. I think they did really well. I tend to be kind of an old-school, curmudgeon old man sometimes when it comes to CGI. I think sometimes they use it for laziness or... If instead of spending the money to get pickup shots or reshoots, they just uh, use CGI and fill in the blanks, and sometimes you can tell. And Jungle Book did really, really well. Um, The locations were pretty stunning, uh, but more than that, the animals were bedazzling. That's right, the animals were bedazzling. Bill Murray played Baloo, the lovable bear. The fur on this bear was just exquisite. I guess it took six hours to render this bear and the detail of everything that revolved around the bear, but 
It was jaw-dropping in the same manner that great landscapes, like actual filming location landscapes, give me. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. You, you, you can tell when you first start watching it, as the animals are talking, you think, oh, this must be CGI. It's no spoiler alert, because yes, the animals do talk. But it's not distracting, it's not cheesy or laughable, and they got some, some good names, but they didn't get a cast that was so stunning and A-list that they used that cast to parade in front of the movie. They do this a lot, i.e. Madagascar. <clears throat> anyway, so yeah, the movie was really cute. Uh, Christopher Walken was King Louis. A couple nice little homages to the original. They did uh, two songs from the original Jungle Book. They did I Want to Be Like You, and they did, of course, Bare Necessities. So it was cute. It's on Netflix. Check it out. <sighs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I am really excited to troll the movie subreddit and read everybody's bitchy little comments about uh, Rogue One because these movies have such a special place in so many people's hearts that so many people, myself included, go into these movies expecting to hate it, almost hoping to hate it. But I'll be honest, I, I really liked it. I really appreciate the liberties that Gareth Edwards took with this movie. Um, if you haven't heard of Gareth Edwards, there's a really interesting super indie monster post-invasion movie on Netflix called uh, Monsters. Don't get it confused with the Charlie's Theron movie, which is also good, but ugh, you gotta be in the right mood for it. And you'll never look at a tire iron the same way again. Anyway, um, so he did Monsters, which kind of fell under a lot of people's radar. But apparently the right people saw it because he was then handed Godzilla and he was then handed Star Wars. So this is the first spinoff of many. I think Disney has their release dates of the new Star Wars movies to like 2022. So there's no opening screen crawl, which I thought I which I think is great. I think it's a great way to Separate yourself and differentiate between the spin-off movies and the actual episodic films. And I know that a lot of people are going to bitch and moan and it's not a Star Wars movie without a screen crawl. Well, you know, after so many years of Star Wars movies and inventing these conventions, I don't think that you have to use them in every Star Wars movie. I think that for the first couple years, they're going to have to play things really safe to keep original fans happy and keep them engaged. But also, you know, they're appealing to a whole generation who maybe they've seen them. They've probably seen them, but they probably think they're corny and cheesy. So they're like trying to reinvent the Star Wars franchise. That's what they're trying to do. So this is the third Star Wars film that's rated PG-13. And... I think that the third act was the best. I'm going to try to keep this spoiler-free because I know it just came out. But I wanted to, to read a couple, of, uh, a couple of reviews here. This is from Amy Nicholson of MTV. She said, Audiences once packed themselves to gawk at the future. Now it's to soak in the past. The emphasis is on packing in as much nostalgia as possible and tearsly... That's got to be in. That's got to be in typo. Tearlessly, anyway, tirelessly editing it together to resemble a film. So, our judgment clouded by nostalgia. We've talked about this. 
and we continue to talk about it every time we discuss a uh, remake on this on this show or a sequel or a reboot or whatever. And it was a big one with Ghostbusters, and people were really bent out of shape um, because it, they have it in their minds that you have to fall in the same cookie-cutter formula as the movies on which this new movie is being based. Otherwise, it's, not a, it's, it's just not a Ghostbusters movie. Well, the movie did well, and whether or not the original cast liked it, it's re- regardless, or irregardless, as I like to say. So I think that we have to put our big boy pants on and just accept that these remakes and reboots are going to happen. And if you don't like it, then that's fine. Because I got news for you. There's a Blade Runner movie coming out in 2017 that I am shitting my pants excited for. Some of the casting choices, it's not what I would have chosen, but you know what? Ridley Scott is uh, connected and tied on as executive producer, so I assume it must have his approval. So the other, uh, I was just going to read one more. Uh, this is from this is from Reddit user Wolfgang187. Rogue One is tolerable, not on the level of the real Star Wars films, but better than the prequels in Episode 7, like a halfway decent B-movie wearing a Star Wars costume. Jin was great, and not a Mary Sue like Rey clearly is. The droid was awesome, new ships and an epic fucking space battle. Vader's going apeshit was grand. The music was so bad, I laughed at parts. I didn't really care about the characters in any way. The Vader pun wasn't a full-on cringe, but I could have done without it. CGI humans is a waste of money. Tarkin was bad, but Leia looked like a Harry Potter painting. It was dumb to end it with her, as if it was some epic effect. They take me out of a movie more than recasting would. Okay, so the CGI I thought was stunning... I had read prior that, uh, I guess this will be a little spoiler, but Tarkin is in it. Peter Cushing, who famously from the first one, those cheekbones that are just, uh, his cheekbones are so intense, I can't even think of a proper joke because I'm just now thinking about his cheekbones. But anyway, he died a while back, and this movie takes place five years after episode three and quite a few years before episode four. So they CGI'd Tarkin to put him in the film, and obviously they could have chosen another character and invented a plot device on why they didn't need Tarkin to be in this story. So a lot of people weren't happy about the CGI in this movie and the decision to add in certain characters via CGI. And those people that aren't happy about it, I would just like to remind you of a certain 2001 episode of The Sopranos that had Mama, Mama Livia Soprano uh, CGI'd in after Nancy Merchant had died. And I don't know if David Chase insisted on doing this, or maybe it was out of his hands, but the CGI is fucking terrible. It is so incredibly distracting, and it's the last time that we see Mama Soprano and what she has to say in this episode is pretty crucial to the story. And you never remember what uh, she's saying because it looks like her head is just floating on this body. And it looks like the special effects were done through like a phone app or something, like a photo, like a face swap photo app. It's awful. But anyway, they shouldn't have done that. And I think probably looking back now, everybody involved in that, a travesty agrees. 
So if we're going to compare and contrast the two examples, I think Star Wars isn't that bad. I'm sure there's a lot of people who didn't realize that it was CGI. I only knew it because I had done reading on it, and I knew that it was coming. And there's also a character at the end who's CG that a lot of people were really, really butthurt about. So the story, you know, the original Star Wars story, Luke, it doesn't get any more everyday man Joe Blow than Luke Skywalker. And a lot of the other characters in the movie, the original ones, are very down-to-earth, very commoner sort of people. And I think that's something that Star Wars fans have grabbed onto. And they use those characters, and they relate to those characters. And, you know, I think like Harry Potter too. uh... A lot of people that love the Harry Potter series are people that so strongly relate to one of the three main kids. And Force Awakens was a little bit more of a departure. Rey was a scavenger, but, you know, she she wasn't really your typical lady. And in this movie, it's the, in Rogue One, it's, it's a little bit even more of a departure. And so I guess that was one of my criticisms is that there's not a whole lot of relatable characters but that's okay because you're watching a space opera, so I can't really put myself in the shoes of an X-wing fighter because I don't I don't really see myself doing that soon. I'm moving to Chicago, but we're driving on his car, I'm taking a X-wing. So anyway, um, there was that. There was Donnie Yen, who Donnie Yen has. If you've never heard of him, you're not. This won't make any difference to you. But fans of the martial arts series It Man. Um, that they probably would go see Star Wars just for that. The It Man series is based on the uh, martial arts expert who famously trained Bruce Lee in the 50s and probably the 40s too. Anyway, he's in it. I think this is his first big, big studio American made film and he's great. He plays a blind kind of mystic and... Forrest Whitaker is in it. I never would have guessed Forrest Whitaker to be in a Star Wars movie. I thought it was weird when Samuel Jackson showed up in one with a purple lightsaber, but now Forrest Whitaker's in one with respiratory problems. Um, and he, he does okay. I think some of his lines are maybe a little over the top. He's got an accent, and it, it, it's, it's a little cringeworthy at parts. But it's it's fine, you know, they're... It's like, it's a larger-than-life story featuring larger-than-life characters. So I think if some of the lines are a little larger-than-life or a little over-the-top, maybe slightly melodramatic, I think that um, you can look past that. And as far as these Star Wars movies being soaked up in the past, well, this movie takes place in the past. Rogue One does a great job of kind of using plot devices to explain away some of the major plot holes in A New Hope. Yeah, I'm sorry, there are a lot of plot holes in the original trilogy. George Lucas is a fantastic storyteller. He is not a great story writer. His dialogue is famously bad, and I think that accounts for a lot of the criticism that the prequels got, because Anakin and his sand talk... I feel like we make fun of it every episode, so I'm not going to go there. But it seems like George Lucas didn't really let anybody touch him. He just wanted them all for himself and just really lazy filmmaking. And some of the composite shots for Anakin, some of these like reaction faces that he makes are not actual 
extended takes. They took like four different takes of Anakin and then they melded them all into one reaction shot. And you go back and look at it and it really doesn't hold up. But anyway, so I don't know. What else? Oh, the biggest complaint, I'll I'll have this be my last little uh je ne sais quoi, the music. I got to see John Williams perform with Anna a few years ago. And he performed the E.T. theme. And I'm not even that huge of an E.T. fan, but I wept. I, like, openly cried while he was, this music was being played. And the magnitude that John Williams has had on my life and my upbringing is just truly immeasurable. From Jaws to Superman to Close Encounters to anything that he's done. Hook. It's just, it's incredible. Some of my favorite movies. And when he dies, oh my god, I don't even know. But anyway, this is the first Star Wars movie that he has not composed for. And the composer, he's a talented man. His name is Michael Giacchino, I want to say. And he's done all of the J.J. Abrams movies. He's composed every J.J. Abrams movie, except, ironically, Star Wars The Force Awakens, which obviously was John Williams. So I didn't realize how huge of a role... Well, I knew how huge of a role Williams' music plays in the Star Wars movies. I mean, it's just it 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 tells a story all by itself. You can just listen to the soundtrack and you put together this multi-layer story. But anyway, this movie did not have John Williams, and I don't know if it was purely because it's a spin-off and that was just uh, an additional way to differentiate between the original episode story and these spin-offs that are going to happen more and more. Uh, I think the next one is the Han Solo spinoff. Anyway, oh, God. The music wasn't bad, but it was bad for a Star Wars movie. It was just really inappropriate. It was really out of place. The music did not follow the pacing of the visual storytelling at all for me, uh, to the point where I thought it was incredibly distracting. And they they do have some overtures from the original, and they do have some actual um, melodies from the John Williams Star Wars films, the the real recognizable ones, like the top four or five that everybody always thinks of when they think of Star Wars. So I don't know if John Williams, like, sold those rights to Disney, because if he did, then I think that means that he wouldn't be able to orchestrate those when he is on tour, which is really sad. But anyway, um, yeah, the music was hands down the worst part. Um, just, it was very distracting, totally took me out of the story, which was too bad. And there's some Easter eggs and some nudges, uh, to the original Star Wars movies that I just, I just didn't need. I think that if you're gonna tell a a brand new story in, in the way that they did, I think that you should just tell a new story and, and don't, don't squeeze a cameo in there just because you can. So... This movie, John Kroll, who worked for Industrial Light and Magic. After Disney's purchase of Lucasfilm, John Kroll heard about some of the early concepts for the new Star Wars movies and just wasn't impressed with any of them. He began developing his idea for this film and started talking it up to his fellow ILM employees, refining the story into basically this 30-minute pitch. And people at ILM liked it so much that he, they told him that he should bring it to Kathleen Kennedy, who we should all know by now, the president of Lucasfilm. And she loved the pitch so much, and the movie was uh, put into production. So this is kind of the dream child of this 
nice little industrial light and magic special effects guy, which I think is really cool. So I guess overall, uh, I liked it. I don't know if I'll need to see it again. There were some, uh, there were some unnecessary things. There were some very nice things. Uh, I really liked seeing Diego Luna in an action movie. So yeah, go check it out. We'll see if you agree. You can get all of our episodes, of course, uh, on the SoundCloud. You're probably on that right now if you're listening to it. So scroll on down and look at some of the other shit we've come up with. And um, you can send me a message through the Movie Show Theater Facebook and, and give us an idea of what we should do. We're going to call this the end of uh, Season 3. And uh, Season 4 is going to be in Chicago, where I will be hanging out with new friends who are also rooted in movie geekdom. So, thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jimmy, and this has been Movie Show Theater.